0: What is Nuggets culture? How do you define it? Does it exist outside of the presence of Nikola Jokic? Plus, we're going to have to have the conversation about bias in sports media and that whole thing. All that and more on Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your Daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day, your week. Hope you guys had a safe and healthy and very enjoyable Labor Day weekend. We're glad to be with you and for you to be joining us on whatever platform that you've chosen. We are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We're also on YouTube, where if you were to join the show, you would see that this is just two white dudes in white t-shirts talking ball. Adam and I happen to be wearing the same white t-shirt. Not the same white t shirt, but a white t shirt tonight <laughs> on the uh, YouTube channel. You can go ahead and check that out. YouTube.com slash locked on nuggets. Hit the like and subscribe button, turn on notifications, and you too can join the show to hang out with folks in the chat se- segment with us every time that we do the show. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Adam Mares. He's director of content for DNVR. On today's show, we're going to talk about what is nuggets culture. I've been, been kind of circling this topic for a while. What does it mean? How is it defined? And then the second segment, I have a key question, which is, I think it's easy to ascribe culture. We're going to ask the question of, does that culture actually exist outside of the presence of Nicole Jokic? A really good question. uh, After a wide ranging conversation that sparked a lot of a lot of just a it's a take factory over the weekend. Uh we're gonna get into the t- subject of bias in sports media. Adam's obviously gonna have thoughts about that from his perspective at DMVR. I have got my own perspective coming from blogs and being in the industry this long. We'll talk about all that and more later on in the show. Uh Adam, welcome back from the mountains. You got to get away for the weekend. Um what was the coolest bird that you saw in the <laughs>
1: I saw a crossbill, which is really cool.
0: Its beak goes like this, you know, like crosses. Very, very neat. They call that a Kyrie Irving in Texas. Um, so, <laughs> waka waka waka. Uh, <laughs> let's start here. Um, we're gonna talk about what's Nuggets culture, and I think at this point the insta- the the broader organization from Josh Kroenke on down through KSE. Winning a championship, they get to define themselves as having Nuggets culture. Michael Malone's been there for long enough to have established that culture. He redefined things. And like early on in Malone's tenure, even before Jokic popped to um, started to really emerge, there was starting to at least be a, a conversation of he's really changed. The culture's way different because it was so messed up in 2014 and 2015 that even by the end of you know, 2017, there was a sense that things were kind of different. Um, however, as it is with almost every team in the NBA, the culture almost always starts with the best player. And so Nikola Jokic's approach to basketball, to life, to the sport, to professionalism, to his career has influenced all those things as well as it has with Jamal Murray, I think. And Aaron Gordon has contributed that as well in his time here as well. Um, I'll ask you kind of this off the top is a very general question. What do you think Nuggets culture is?
1: Yeah, so I think it, with anything, you just look at the traits of the culture, right? I think that's the easiest way to define it. What are the traits of, of Nuggets culture? And I do think that it is probably largely unselfish. I mean, all of these are going to be cliche, Matt. Anytime you talk about these things, you're going to throw out a couple cliches and pick the ones that sort of best describe here. But I do think that there is a unselfish uh, unselfishness that comes to this team. Nikola Jokic obviously sacrifices a lot. Aaron Gordon coming over sacrifices a lot everybody kind of take I think even Jamal Murray in the regular season sacrifices a lot and there's just a lot of people seem that seem willing to sacrifice for the team and the guys who haven't worked out Bones Highland most recently are guys that maybe couldn't get on board with that culture and 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 didn't quite fit into it so I think unselfishness is is one of the the main and then that obviously that as a virtue but also as a style they play an unselfish style of basketball which is different from virtue by the way those things don't don't have to be linked Um, I, I think that is one of the defining traits uh, of their culture.
0: I always have to like restrain myself from going too academic with these things. Like I try and think of like how much Michael Malone would roll his eyes at me. Um, if I were to describe things in certain terms, uh, I can't really help it just uh, the way that I do because, um, so I'm very big on this Marxist concept. That's right. We're going here. Um, of it's called praxis. And so the idea is work for work's sake. And what the the idea is kind of constructed as it's a criticism of of capitalism, right? It's a counter argument to capitalism that instead of working for reward, you do work because you do the work for work's sake, that doing the work is good, that the work that you commit yourself to your labor, comrade, exactly like the work that you put in that you the the value of performing physical action is the physical action itself. It's whatever that contributes um, in, in the physical world. And I do think that kind of ties into the Nuggets and the way that it does is that you kind of mentioned the unselfishness. It's work before ego, I think, is a very large part of how the Nuggets have approached the team. Jokic is the one that enables that because if Jokic's ego was wired this way that it is with other NBA superstars, not all of them, but a lot of them, it would make that principle a lot harder to ascribe because you have to be able to say, everyone's got to do the work. Everyone's got to sacrifice. Everyone's got to do the training. Everyone's got to put in the work. And one thing that the team has always been proud of, and this was something that Tim Conley has said, and I've heard it from other front office members, is their players are guys that love to be in the gym. They love the work of basketball. Like they want to go into the gym and they want to practice. They want to go into the gym and they want to work out. They want to go in the gym and they want to do conditioning. It is a team built of guys that want to put the work in. And that, I think, is probably the nexus that we've kind of, uh, at t- or at least I can only speak for myself, that I've at times tried to hard to, to kind of find what the, the correlating factor is. How can Jokic, who is so Jokic, and Malone, who's so Malone, and Jamal, who's so Jamal, and those three personalities are very different, where do they intersect? And I think it's probably there. It's that the work comes before the ego, that they want to do the work. And maybe beyond everything else with Nicola, that's maybe the definition and like the secret to all of understanding the fact of um, how he can eschew all of the other stuff that comes with being an NBA player. He's uh, he's grabbed onto some of it as the money tends to do, but like, that's a lot of it, I think. And and when we talk about basketball and how much he loves it, I do think he loves the work. And so I think that that's probably a, a key central part of Nuggets culture is putting the work before everything else, including your ego. I
1: think I I, I really agree with that because I do think there's a lot of players. I think it's interesting that you put Jamal into that category and it's not necessarily, I think Jamal is growing in that direction more and more. And he is, that's not to say he's not a hard worker. I just don't know if it's a defining trait, the way consistent work would be how I would just define Jokic. He just always talks about consistency. He almost does it. Murray, I think works. And I've heard rumors that this summer in particular is working almost maniacally or just is like very motivated. Whereas I think Jokic, whether motivation doesn't factor into it, it's process. He just, I'm motivated, I'm not motivated, doesn't matter. I do the same thing. I work out, I go through my routine, and I commit myself to that consistency. And I think Michael Malone is the same way. Whereas again, I think Jamal is more of an emotional person and player and everything else. So There are fits of intense working out for him and and intense, you know, that that kind of dedication. But I don't know if I, I quite yet put him there. I will say guys like Aaron Gordon and then you go down the line, actually, KCP. But then you even go to the bench, guys that they have brought in, Christian Brown, Bruce Brown. Those guys all do fit that mold that you're talking about with Jokic. I just think Jamal is a little bit different. Again, not saying he is not the worker. I just think it's a little bit different. There's like a different category of worker I would put him in.
0: And I think that some of this is there's different ways that you can fit into this concept in this culture, right? Where Will Barton, I think, is a good example of a guy that he wanted to be in the gym, he wanted to play basketball. He, like he's but a, even
1: his was different. His was yes. a true love of basketball. basketball. Like he just right. yeah, he just loved it, he was it wasn't work to him. Even yeah. though I'm not trying to take away from it, it's just for him, it was work. right. It was work and pleasure.
0: You can love the work, or you can love the game. But when the work is the game, there's right. like a there's there's a number of ways I think you can get at it. Monte Morris, I think, definitely like bought into that whole concept. I think Gary Harris bought into that concept as well. Yeah. I think Paul Millsap. It's one of the reasons that he was a good fit. Um, totally. Like yeah, there's a lot of, of
1: guys that fit this, and honestly, yeah.
0: there's not a lot of guys that don't fit it. Yeah. And I mean, like you kind of mentioned, and I don't want to, you know, I've, I've tried very hard to not like, I've stayed pretty much. I've, if, if people have actually paid attention, I haven't commented much on bones since he left. And a lot of it is I'm just like, it wasn't the right fit for him. It wasn't the right place. It doesn't determine his career. Like, what do I think that he handled it? Well, no. Do I think most kids in his situation it well? No. Um, but I do think that that's one of the differentials is like, he needed to be somewhere where his personality and ego could express itself and then well, nut-
1: yes and no you're you're being too diplomatic in my opinion on this one he is similar <laughs> to michael porter and michael porter again is a worker and i think was had the patience to get through the same thing you're saying about fit and this or that he had the patience and work to go through it and then came out the other side
0: yeah it's very true um you know i think that, that does go into it right is like mpj has put in the work on so many things and has not taken the easy route because MPJ could have taken the easy route. And he probably would have gotten traded and he'd be putting up 25 on a lottery team and he'd still be in line for the money. Right. But he really did buy into the work. Like I, more than anything, MPJ is the guy that backed up what he said, because when guys say like, I just want to win, I'm always like, do you? Right. Right. But because in this league, there's a lot of guys that say that. And it means I just want to win on my terms. And MPJ but- was, yeah. One of the ones that didn't do that. He was like, no, I just want to win. And this is my best, my best opportunity. And I'm willing to put the work in.
1: And by the way, Peyton Watson is a player that I have my eye on in this way. Like this is part of the things I'm so curious about. I don't know one way or another. It's not, I'm not saying this to say I suspect otherwise, but it is one where it's like, all right, new player into the system has talent, has all these things. Is he that though? The guy that the, the type of guy that has fit out in that fit in, in that specific way. I'm kind of curious about. And then I would say resilient. I mean, you have to give them resiliency because they have, they are they're One of their defining traits in addition to just the unselfishness and the work is also resiliency. This is a tough team. That's tough in a classic sense, not a loud sense. They're not in your face. They're not picking fights. They just have the ability to like bounce back from adversity as well as probably any team over the last five years.
0: I think it's tough to get them down. That's not say they don't get down. I think every team does, but it's tough to get them down and, it's harder to keep them down uh on the other side that leads to another question though which is so much of this is easy to be ascribed in terms of the context of Nikola jokic and what he's brought we'll talk about how does nuggets culture exist with or without Nikola jokic can it exist with or without Nikola jokic we'll talk about that on the other side when we return on Locked on nuggets First, let's talk about bird dogs. Bird dogs are shorts that make you look good. Their stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. So your legs are going to look awesome in these shorts. They do the exact same thing as Lulamon, but they fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. They fix that issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. You can use them in all sorts of ways. That's probably the best thing about them is that you can wear them pretty much anywhere. You want to go to the park with their friends or with the kids? Absolutely can do that. You want to go golfing? can do that. Casual date night? That works. You want to do an evening workout? Works for that too. You can go to the pool lounging. You can go to work in them if your dress code is lax. You can do all that with bird dogs. That's the best thing about them. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA or enter promo code locked on NBA at checkout. For a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked on Nuggets, thanks for joining us, making this part of your day. If you got a second, go. If you're listening on Apple, just go to the page and give us a five star review. Just do that real quick for us. And if you're on listening to us on YouTube, just hit that like button, help us out. That's so why such a long off season, man. <laughs> Give us a five star. Help us <laughs> help, help us sustain. The five stars are the only way that we'll reach it. We're like the people at Burning Man trying to say <laughs> was exactly where I was gonna go with this. Trying, trying to weather the fire tornadoes and make it to the NBA regular season. Oh my um, God. all right. So we talked about Nuggets culture and Several GMs have said this to me that that when I, I asked them about culture, they're like, culture is usually defined by your best player. That's usually like how it starts. Um, the Thunder were like this, where Russell Westbrook really did define like how that team operated once KD, and even really honestly before KD left, Russ's impact, like he was the dominant personality and the player that was at that level. And everyone kind of followed him in terms of the organization that was surprisingly pretty positive for all the things that Russ is, is bad on the court or whatever. And as mean as he is in the media teammates love him for a reason. He treats people really well, as long as they're not trying to ask him questions. Um, The same thing I think can be true of the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron James for better and for worse. Honestly, I would say with how that, that whole thing went like there was a lot of cracks in the Cavs organization during that time. And a lot of that can be ascribed to LeBron. Um, I think with the heat, you do definitely get back to Dwayne Wade and his approach. Like that was a big reason why they were able to build what they did. Now they've carried that over with Spolstra and then added guys like Jimmy that fit it right to carry Hold on. Over. Hold on.
1: Who do you think is the cornerstone of Pete culture though? Pat Riley. I think so too. And I think Spode now is
0: probably right there as one a one B. You know, what's interesting honestly is that it was Pat and then he brought on Alonzo yeah, and yeah. Zoe was really the, the, the star that impacted a lot of bringing, like he was in Wade's ear from the beginning and like they brought Wade into like that circle of guys. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so like th- a good example of this is Zoe used to ho- host Zoe Summerfest, which is a big charity uh, festival over the summer in Miami. And then it became Wade summer fest. Like Zoe gave him that festival that was like branded around him. Um, So the question I think is, look, you want a championship, but you want a championship for the most, like the biggest reason that you want a championship is Nikola Jokic. So all of these things that you do about culture are all fit around your superstar. So the question really, I think is, does Nuggets culture exist? If, if tomorrow, God forbid, Nikola decided, "Mm, the the horses are just winning too much. I got to stay with the horses and he stayed in Serbia. He took a year off. Does that culture maintain, not the wins and losses, not the on court product, but the way that the organization is run, the way the locker room is run, the professionalism, the hard work, all of that, does it carry through without Nikola Jokic? So I don't think it gets to this point
1: without him, but that's a different question from does it continue from this point forward without him? I think those are two different questions To get to this point. Look, you can have the best culture possible in sports. But if you're not good, it just comes to an end. (laughs) Like you could have a bad culture and win and stays together. Like that's just the thing. Now, oftentimes you need a good culture to win, but there are teams that have won with poor culture and just, you know, based purely on talent or what have you. I don't think the Nuggets get here because it took eight years for them to build this up. Now you could say Murray's injury cost them a couple of those, but let's take those years out. Six years to get to this point. Nobody gets six years of runway unless you believe in the culture, the foundation of the thing you're building. And
0: I don't think you would have had that without Nicola. That's very well said. Um, I think it's also to a degree, it's a testament. Like it's honestly kind of surprising that again, I would say that I don't think Malone has gotten the appropriate amount of credit in whatever circles that we ascribe for having built and sustained this because one of the things I would add on top of building it, you have to maintain it. And I think the Raptors are a pretty good example of how that can dip. A lot of coaches will build a culture and then they kind of want it to self run. And it doesn't like, it is an active thing that you have to nurture and you have to, you, it's both a structure and an organism. You have to nurture it. You have to feed it. You have to water it like a, like a garden, not an overused. cliche. But I'm going to disagree with this comment that I'm seeing here because
1: I like what you're saying here. He says, Nuggets still would have had the culture, but they would have been seventh, eighth seed. I don't think they would have. And again, this is the thing, because I'm with you. Michael Malone deserves a lot of credit. Jamal Murray deserves a lot of credit. And then all of the guys they brought in, the role players deserve a lot of credit for helping that. It takes all of the people. I think Josh Kroenke deserves a lot of credit for his sort of hands-off approach for it. So I don't think it's just Jokic and no one else. I just think that culture takes a while to form. And then like you said, sustain. And I don't think they would have been able to do that unless they had success. And they couldn't have done that without Nikola. And by the way, Malone's style of leadership probably wouldn't have worked without a main player who's like, yeah, that's fine. I'll come off the bench. Nurkic can start. That's fine. You you have a star player that can do that, and it allows all of the things you're instilling in culture to take hold.
0: Yeah, and I think similarly, um, you know, without Jokic, what we talked about in that first segment where I talked about ego, like the work before the ego – I think it's harder to keep ego down in the absence of, of Jokic. I think that every player in that locker room is able to look at and be like, if Jokic is so demurring and Jokic is so. um, Nonchalant and Jokic is so. Humble for lack of a better word. How can I really put myself above anyone, you know, like how, how, and again, we'll see if it maintains because winning does kind of beget more ego. Like I'm curious to see that this year about how does ego play out in the locker room over the next two years after winning a title? Cause it does change things. But I think that Jokic is that tether, right? It connects all those bonds and keeps it in check in part because everyone is able to look to him and be like, I can't really get out of pocket here because this is how that guy approaches things. And I think that that helps things tremendously with reinforcing those values that you try and ascribe as culture.
1: But the flip side of this is that if Jokic were to retire today, I do think a lot of what they've established as culture would have a long tail to it. Now that tail might only be two years or something like that, but Jamal Murray, he brought something to that culture that is growing. He's becoming more and more of a leader and a guy that pushes him. Michael Malone, I think, it's easier to sustain that culture at least for a few years in the wake of what you've already accomplished. Aaron Gordon, KCP, even Josh Kroenke, all of these guys, i think that they i think that they could carry it without him. I don't know if they'd have the same success. I mean, i don't think that they would. I think it'd be pretty crazy to take away Jokic and think there'd be the same success. But i do think that the culture, they would have a good culture for a couple years before the pieces start to move and like at some
0: point you need to be good and you need to start competing. I wonder, in order to believe that, you have to believe that Kroenke has learned fundamental lessons from the late George Carl from like 2010 to 2015. You'd have to believe that he learned a significant amount, and it's entirely possible. I'm not saying it's not. It's just I haven't talked to Josh to ask him that. Um, but like, that's an interesting question, right? Like I always do kind of think of somebody asking in the chat about Tim Conley. Does he get credit? And he absolutely does. Like he gets a ton of credit for this as well. He's top three. I think it's honestly, if we
1: were giving credit, it's probably Jokic, Malone. Conley. And then Tim Conley has a great case for number three. And just compare him to Daryl Morey. People didn't like Conley because he really made this a family thing. He was afraid to trade key pieces. He kind of passed on trades that maybe could have happened. But guess what? that's a lot better than treating everybody like an asset that the culture is completely dead because yeah. it's the opposite of family. Yeah. And I do think Tim Conley, that was the underrated aspect. And I know he considered those things,
0: you know, every time one of those trades popped up. A lot of this too, though, is, is that Tim, the stuff I talked about where they've, they've spoken about wanting guys that wanted to be in the gym, that wanted to work, that that was the most important thing to them that love basketball. He learned from 2014 15, and I don't want to name names, but there were guys on those rosters that were not of that mindset. They were not built that way. He signed some of them, he kept some of them, he traded for some of them, he had some of them to begin with. Like those, those teams were very much loaded with guys who were not there for the work. And I do think that, that Conley learned a lot of that, and that's why, like, they restarted with Malone. And everything kind of shifted. Uh, on the other side, there's been a, a wide-ranging conversation this weekend on the old Twitters, uh, which I will still call it that, uh, about whether media should root for the team they cover, about bias in media. I don't we'll
1: know do if that. it should. I thought it was more can or or allowed to.
0: Yeah, the uh, think There's a lot of it's a this this to me is like a, it's got a lot of. It's a crystal with a lot of angles on it. Um, Adam's got thoughts. I've got some thoughts. We'll talk about it on the other side when we return on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. Jordan McRae wasn't a great culture guy. What a random guy to call out. Jordan McRae. <laughs> name some guy. Name some nuggets. One of these days we're going to do you know what? You should do that. You should just have me and Blackburn and uh morton on dnvr just name all, nuggets for now. All the guys and just do a whole show of let's name some nuggets guys
1: this yeah edward just, and narra ah, yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah
1: um, <laughs> that's it that's the jo-
0: show. joffrey laverne oh um, joffrey yeah joffrey <laughs> um all right so this started in my opinion with coach prime's press conference um
1: which we should divorce it from that because even that has like more layers than what. Yes. Like there, there there's too many layers to that one. Yep. That you don't want to make it sound like your argument is like supporting everything that happened in that press conference or happens with Coach Prime.
0: Right. Uh, that sparked another conversation on there. Um, Romy Bean works for CBS Colorado. Everyone loves Romy in town. She's extremely well regarded. Um, award winning. She's the best. Yeah, everyone loves Romy. Um, Jeff Perlman, who I will just say, like, this is one of the things when you haven't heard of an individual, there tends to be like this guy. And like, I've, I've, I've been aware of Jeff forever. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for Jeff Perlman's work. Um, Jeff levy criticism at Romy for essentially outright rooting and was, you know, basically saying go buffs and a post about how amazing the win was, et cetera. And about the presence of rooting for interest bias fandom when covering a team. Um you had a lot of thoughts so I'm going to seed the floor. Yeah, I'd
1: rather I'd like to kind of take you through my my logic here and let you play off of it. Um so I have three ways I look at this. And, and and full disclosure, I have to give my background on this. I don't come from a media background. I didn't study media. I didn't intend to get into media. I kind of got into it or you know by chance. I'm a storyteller. I was a fiction writer. I've always done these types of things. And I love basketball. And I had a very good basketball background that I thought gave me an interesting perspective. But I wasn't coming to this from the perspective of, one, admiring journalists, like especially, I mean, I admire them because they have interesting work. But it wasn't this thing where I put journalists on a pedestal. And I also didn't come to it from a stance of like having expectations for what media was supposed to be. And I think that's important because I think a lot of people come through this With lessons, and then they approach their experience of it from that perspective. Well, I was taught this and it's the way I view it. Like anything. If you have a perception of what a thing is supposed to be and you go into it, then you know, that kind of informs your your view of of things. Whereas the opposite can be true where you go into it and go, I don't know, I'm here interested to meet some people. What is it you do? And it's a blank slate. Now, here's my first thing that I think I would say I've learned over the years. Journalism. I don't know that sports journalism is an accurate description of what sports journalists do. I think that journalism and analysis can't be separated. I don't know of any journalist who is not also giving sports analysis. Now, sports journalists, especially if you think of somebody that comes from, like, say, a local paper or something like that, journalism school trained, you know, usually rises through the ranks to be the journalist. Those people are working in a journalist capacity with some very important things, like if there is a scandal or reporting on major business developments or the intersection of sports and politics. That comes from journalism. But those people are also analyzing the sport of which they are covering, oftentimes with no insight or information or really basic understanding of the sport that they're doing. And those two things, although they are separate, get put together together. And to me, they're different. When I first started this, I said, I'm not a journalist. I'm an analyst. Now I don't care what you call me, but most journalists would say I'm a journalist, not an analyst, but more than half of what they're doing is analysis. There's
0: a lot there. Uh, I think you're right in that I think it's difficult to have analysis, have journalism without analysis in that if you're writing a gamer on a story and you say the Nuggets struggled on the boards because they were out rebounded 38 to 29, right? That's the piece of analysis because you're ascribing part of the loss to that rebounding margin.
1: But I'll go further because you could say, even from that, Matt, like an AP journalist is a journalist because maybe you're right that they have a little analysis here, like that type of stuff. But I'm saying more of like a beat reporter is doing a lot of beat reporting things. But they're also voting on MVP and giving their opinions on how a team should handle themselves and and these different things. And that's not journalism. That's analysis. And it's informed by their journalism. But at the end of the day, a lot of the people and again, I'm not trying to. There are some really good journalists and analysts, but that's not how they hire. Oftentimes they'll move people from one sport to the other, this or that. And, uh, and these people, again, are be- they hire them because they're good journalists, not because they necessarily even understand the sport that they're covering.
0: Right. That's accurate. That's uh, something I've encountered a lot, which is, you know, and it's there's been a lot of tension points along the way on a number of things. But this has been one of them um, I've seen with the, with the industry is this intersection of people being hired like they're a really good journalist. Do they know anything about the NBA? No, but they're a really good journalist. And then those of us that cover the sport every day being like, yeah, but like they don't understand how the cap works and they don't, by the way, those
1: people vote for all major awards.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now a lot of those people over time become like really respected, you know, journalists in the field and and come to understand it. I also think that there's definitely a difference in approach. Like one thing I think that's, I, I, I thought this was notable is that um, there are like at a paper if something happens with a player, but it gets classified under the desk as a news item or a crime story, that is not the beat writer's beat. Their job is to cover the team. So when you say like sports journalism is entirely like it is different, it is its own field. It does have its own parameters, and it has to for a number of like there's a whole list of reasons why that's different. Um, I do think that there are shades of it, and I think that for sure. Um, there are degrees of analysis versus coverage and degrees of opinion versus analysis. And like, that's where I think we start to get into some of the the other things that you want to talk about.
1: But here's just to go back to coach prime. And again, we have to divorce a little bit of these two things, but one of the things people were upset about was he was calling out people for their analysis. And then people would say, well, we don't need our journalists to, um, I'm a journalist. I don't need to be rooting for this or that. Now I think. I want to divorce the coach prime thing just because I do think there was a level of intimidation to what he was doing. Almost like a, you better start rooting for me or you better start doing positive predictions for me or else I'll call you out. And that part I think is like that, that pushes this in another direction, but the idea of, Hey, no, you made a prediction and you were wrong. You get called out for that. Just like that. If you, you are being called out in your capacity as an analyst, not as a journalist. And when you're doing both things, that part of it is fair, even if doing it from the pulpit, so to speak, is a little bit, make, takes it into a territory that I think is is uncomfortable. Um, so then this comes into my second. So that's the first part of this. I think journalism and analysis are married and that, and, and that to me kind of, it makes this a little bit murky. The second part of this is the idea about caring about the team you're covering being a bad thing is another thing that I question. You can be a, When you have no when you don't care whether a team wins or loses, it does afford you certain um like certain traits as a writer that if you are a bias or you do care for your team, that you can't do. But I think it goes the other direction as well. In fact, maybe just as much. And I also to give an example, if you remember the line in Goodwill Hunting when he sits down with with Matt Damon. And he tells them, if I ask you about art, you probably give me the skinny on every book ever written. Michelangelo's life work, political aspirations, all of that. But you, I bet you couldn't tell me what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. To me, this is the ultimate line of these unquote unquote unbiased. I'm going to get to that in the third pillar. These unbiased people can't tell you the story about what it feels like to be a lifelong Nuggets fan. They can't tell you what it feels like to watch game five of the of the finals. And it, to the same degree, they can obviously give you some insights and they, some great writers that have written great pieces about teams they don't care about. But there is something different about a guy who has been through all that guy or gal who has been all that that can tell you, this goes back to me. This is a feeling that I feel that I know you feel. And only a person who experienced all of the emotions of this experience can articulate those feelings. And to me, that's where the bias actually helps be able to tell stories and to connect people in different levels for the sport they're reading about.
0: I don't disagree with anything you just said. Uh, I'm completely supportive of everything that you just said. I concur with everything you just said. I agree with everything you just said. Um, for me, the the core of this has been in this dispute. Um, I kind of talked about this on Locked on NBA. I think there's a healthy ecosystem that can exist with both parameters included. I think that there's room in sports coverage and there's enough people that have enough interest. It's not just enough people, it's enough people with enough interest that they can want like okay, what is the unbiased like this has been a large part of the gambit that I've kind of put myself in where I host locked on nuggets and openly say I am not a nuggets fan of I don't know what it's like for you to have won to, to have gone through that. I love doing that show with you that night. But don't you think that's what makes our show great? I agree. The balance like th- I totally agree. So a lot of this is also th- this was a big reason why I did. I really did believe in blogs when they were a thing was they were the first fan podcasts or fan shows that were kind of getting that kind of access. And a lot of this is I think you can conduct yourself in an environment as a professional and approach your job with professionalism. But you can also carry with you in your work uh, that framework that you're talking about of being able to understand the emotional tether of how this goes on. And I think that the idea that that doesn't belong anywhere in coverage is ignorant in large respect to how the players themselves view it, let alone the fans. Like I believe that sports journalists, their job is to be a conduit between the fans and the teams. It's the fans want to know things about the team, whether it's an analysis of why they are or what they are good or are not good at um, what makes a player. Great. Why these people matter. The untold stories as you've, as you've kind of alluded to, these are all things that the fans want and it's journalist and media and analyst job to fill that tether to them. So it's not all directly taken from the source, which that's becoming like a whole other thing. Right. And so there is, I think here, a question of like, I, I do think a, a good way to portray this though, is I think that objective journalism and analysis will struggle in moments of triumph And I think that um, a fan driven emotional perspective will struggle in times of scandal or uh, downfall adversity to really portray those moments, depending on the situation, not entirely. With scandal in particular, like this is where journalism, like trained journalism is
1: important because Mm -hmm. there is a process by which those things need to be reported and and this or that. And so – that that's why I say these things should be divorced, but they're not. <laughs> like like if you just had AP writers, yes. and then you had analysts, yes, you know maybe this would work. But the fact that beat reporters are also giving perspective and analysis because it's almost like
0: you can't pay for just that. And you can't. And again, pay I think how to give you the who, what, when, and how. I, I I think that the best coverage you can provide exists in an ecosystem ecosystem in which those things are in concert. Um, and this is one of the things is like when people blast the national media, I'm like, no, no, that's, that's part of it too. Like all of these things create an environment where you get to enjoy coverage of the sports team, where you get to, and in truth, this is the other thing is like, they're the object, the objectivity, the thing that's drawn me to it is I want to be as close to the truth about what I'm talking about as possible. Like I really care about that. It's why, certain things like will set me off and it causes a lot of like self-doubt and introspection on me. If I'm, if I'm accused of um, not just bias is one thing. That's usually just sour grapes. It's more when there's a, there is this idea of manipulating something purposefully that I'm purposefully misrepresenting something. I can be wrong, but I care really, I care a lot about being Upfront, honest, and accurate with how I portray this league to the people that pay attention to the things that I say. I care about that very deeply. By the way, I care a lot. My favorite Depeche Mode song. Your third point. My third point, the most controversial, but this is my personal experience. First
1: of all, this part's not controversial. Everyone is biased. Everyone is biased in some direction. Being biased, to me, it's less about are you biased and it's more about how well do you understand your own biases. And so me, I am a fan of the Denver Nuggets. I'm a fan of Nikola Jokic, and I go to great lengths to try to be accurate in my uh, analysis, knowing that I'm going to be drawn towards wanting certain things. And I think I do a very good job of, hey, this is what I want to happen, but this is what I'm seeing happen, and so on and so forth. But in my experience, and again, this is me, not I had no opinions about journalism going into this, this, uh, this field. In my experience, a lot of the more traditional journalists are among the most biased people I know in different directions. Ego, this is a very ego driven field. It's very competitive. And there is a lot of, I always say like Denver is a very nice city. You go to the, and I don't mean this, I'm painting with a broad brush here, but if you go to the East coast, it's a lot more rough. It's a lot more dog-eat-dog, rat race, just this or that. A lot of your journalists come from the East Coast, to come out here. Not all of it, but then it's an industry where already it's shrinking. The jobs are so few and far to come by. And journalists, in my experience, have been so unbelievably biased about things like, this player didn't give me an interview. Guess what I'm going to write about them? Really negative things. This coach... Uh, always treats me poorly, or always treats me well—the opposite. This coach treats me really well. Guess what my take is on him? Great coach, unbelievable. Um, so to me, this this field, and then on top of that, there's also the idea of market size really matters in this in this industry. And Denver is like any like just like they are with the Nuggets compared to say the Lakers. The more enviable job for most of your capital J journalists is to get to a larger market. And people have probably noticed that even in the Okeechera, there have been a lot of people to come through here and spend a year or two, maybe three, and go on to somewhere else. And oftentimes it's because that was always the plan. That was always the goal was to get here, use this for some other thing. But when you do that, your mind is always on, the type of stories you tell aren't always the ones that are for your audience. or for It's the ones that are gonna get you to that other job. And I just watched that process happen and just go, hmm, would be a good thing they're not biased about the team. They're only biased about every
0: other aspect of their job. This sport in particular it has so much politics in it. And like maybe that's my own perception because I haven't covered the others, right? But when we openly – and look, I have a lot of respect for these journalists that are more accomplished than I am. I don't deny it. But at the same time, when I'm able to tell you that I know where a guy is like what he's parroting, that one guy is representing a specific player side because it's not Oh, with national media in particular, like this is much more on the national scale. yeah. yeah. And like in town, there are columnists that have different relationships with people within the organization. And we see that and that's fine, you know? And I think like everybody's got their people. Right. And that's like kind of how it goes. Um, I do. I, I think one of the things that we're, we're getting to here is the people that, that would claim that journalism, that journalists are not biased in covering sports. I would agree with you that it's not correct. And all the things you talked about with in terms of pursuing these larger deals is a good one. I think one of the differentials here is the divide between there are journalists that seek to remove that bias to whatever degree that they can, and there are those that accept it and try and synthesize it into the work. And I'm not of the opinion that there's a right and a wrong. I think that this is one of the things that I see a lot is some, there are fans that feel that they should go entirely in that direction. Um, and it'll not shock you big fans of DMVR, um, that, that, that they believe in, in that concept. And that's okay. You can prefer that absolutely hundred percent. But for me, I absolutely have biases. I'm always striving to try and move past them. Uh, and like a good example of this is like, I, there's a lot of people that believe that I have a bias against Anthony Davis. I don't necessarily think that that's not true. There's a lot of things that Davis has done that rubbed me the wrong way. You know what I did to do that to, in order to like, to deal with that, I sat down and was like, I'm going to watch every single defensive possession to try and understand how great he is so that I have the furthest view. And guess what? I came on the other side and was like, man, he's a little overrated.
1: And this is a good example because for me, again, some of the areas where I don't check my bias are things like my hatred of the Lakers. Right. It's like, to me, it's like a bit of a caricature. You know, I do genuinely not like them, but I could rise above it. I choose not to, because for one, it's somewhat inconsequential. And And for two, it's like almost more of a bit, like a bit of an entertainment thing where it's like, Hey, no, these guys. And for
0: your job, that is the best decision for you. Right. But also
1: it's, it's, it's inconsequential enough. Like if there was a serious Lakers conversation, like, okay, I got to put them, I'm, I got to come down here, but the Lakers rarely intersect with what I actually
0: need to be doing or, you know, talking about. So it's, so I I agree with you. What I will say is, is that you're absolutely right. For the most part, what I do, one thing that does bug me is when there is this conversation of um, every, like to paint everyone with the same brush. And this happens with like, I've always had this kind of thing with the media, Okay. Right, right. Kendrick Perkins and I are technically both the, right, media. the media.
1: Yeah. You guys are media. We're yeah.
0: very different in what we do and how we approach it and why, and what makes us money. And he makes a lot more than I do. But like this gets into that entire conversation, a guy like Jonathan, Jonathan Fagan, that has worked for the, for the Houston Chronicle forever. Jonathan knows how to smell coming a mile away. Right. And he, you know, he writes positive stories about, you know, the young rookie, but he'll also write the, like, you know, he's really struggling. Uh, Michael Grange, I think is another good example of this with Toronto. Grange has like been covering that team for decades. And yet he's in trouble with, with Raptors fans because he's written several pieces. One about them looking to trade Pascal. And like another one was about like Masai pulled Scotty Barnes into his office and was basically like, what are you doing? And that's negative stuff that the fans are like, that could hurt the team. And Grange is like, that's not my job. I'm not supposed to help the team. I do think that there is a problem when that starts to occur. When if you are portraying yourself as I'm covering the team and you're furthering something. Now, I will say that's not just like, I don't think it's worse to do it because you love the team and you want good things for them than it is no no no
1: that part is definitely that part is important like report like like covering for the team is certainly a line to cross
0: and that's and that's not worse than if you do it because you're trading information and you're helping which is exactly (laughs) which i'm telling you Yeah.
1: in my opinion again Matt, this is why i am so far in this direction because my experience watching this on both sins small and big i just see them all the time where i'm like oh, I'm the not journalist, but you are. And you just yeah. did a thing that I would never morally never allow did. myself to do. But somehow it's not, you're not a fan of the team though. So I guess I'm going to, I guess it's all It's all good. And that's my point. And again, I'm, there's a lot of good journalists. I don't want people to think that, I think this of everyone, right. but there just are a lot of very respected media members in my experience, both locally and nationally that I have witnessed in this capacity and go, that feels way worse to me than, oh, I like the Nuggets. And I have openly admit that I like this team.
0: I think if you're trying to be honest and I think if you're trying to be fair and I think if you're trying to give content on whatever medium it is that helps the fan and covers the team with respect, fairness, but also honesty, I think that what you're doing is fine. And there's ways to synthesize. Like I said, that fandom, there's ways to synthesize your own career goals. There's ways to handle all this. And to me, um, the best way to approach it is with a healthy respect for your, people that don't do it the same way that you do and that's like a big dividing point here and it always has been is like guys like there's a lot of there's room in here for all of us and we can all we don't have to all do the same thing and we don't have to all approach it the same way there's not a right answer but the the answer is probably all the answers together are probably what's best i agree i agree this is a really good conversation i thought we were gonna
1: you weren't gonna be mad i told you my takes weren't like that that out there and and they were You know, it was a little bit, it it just really bothers me, I think, because like you said, these are all perspectives and I feel like they are viewed as like virtue and vice. And I just, uh, to me, that's the part where I kind of lift the veil and I go, no, no, that's
0: inaccurate. I agree. agree. That's going to do it for Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for joining us. Adam will be back on sometime sometime later this week. We'll do another show and then we'll do uh, Friday. I'll have a show. And then uh, here two weeks, we go back to five days a week, folks. So we'll start doing preseason coverage here in a few weeks make sure to give us those five-star reviews give us a like and subscribe let us know that you love the show on at locked on nuggets appreciate you guys being with us we'll see you guys again next time on locked on nuggets